Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Well, hello, Dumpty Dummers everywhere. Nicholas Barnes here from Vitel. No, no, stop. Don't skip this bit. I've recorded a new message for you. Because, due to popular demand, I've made a little change to the code I wrote that lets you record your Dumpty Dum. You now have the choice of hearing the theme tune in your ear at normal speed or 25% slower if you don't want to be hurried along. Are you sitting there without a clue what I'm talking about? That's easy. Just dial 0203 031 3105 right now and have a go at recording your very own Dumpty Dum by choosing option 2. That's 0203 031 3105. What, 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 what's that? You don't want to record a Dumpty Dum but you do want to leave a message? No, that's even easier. As well as the email and speakpipe that Royfield and Lucio mentioned countless times, we've got two more choices for you as well. As before, you can call 0203 031 3105 and choose option 1 to leave a message. You already know that. But, and this is the new bit, you can now text the show too. Simply send a text message starting with DUM, that's D-U-M, to 07786 200690. That's 07786-200690. And make sure you start your text with the word dumb. Oh, and don't forget to put your name on it too. It's a normal number and texts are charged at your standard network rate, just like texting anybody else. Now, I've only set this up for three months to see how it goes. If it's used, then I'll keep it going. If not, well, nothing lost. So that's it. Leave a message by dialing 0203-031-3105 and choosing option 1. Sing, play, hum, drum or whatever a dumpty dum by calling 0203-031-3105 and choosing option 2. Or text a message by sending dum followed by your message to 07786-200-690. Have fun. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Can you make the, the sound of a sheet? Hi. Hello, everybody. We're still admitting more people. So, um, hello and welcome to Dum Dee Dum does was this our third or is it our fourth zoom depending on the old man pleasuring himself it could be our fourth dumpty dum on zoom <laughs> <and our third. laughs> um, <laughs> we have got um there's a whole load of you and of course we have our quiz uh, but you haven't all logged on on a friday when you should be with your loved ones uh you, you haven't logged on for that you've logged on to speak to Charlotte Martin, who plays our Susan Carter. And um, definitely a character which we all love to hate, but stress on the love. <laughs> She's a social climber. But I think when, when we look at our Susan, 
we see elements of ourselves we see vulnerability we see aspiration and we see somebody who loves her family um charlotte mm-hmm. um when did you join the cast of the archers oh my goodness i hate getting asked this question um simply because it makes me feel really really old <laughs> but i actually joined the cast in 1982 wow um so I was very young. Um, and um, yeah, and Susan was, um, I wasn't really sure whether she would be in the program for a long time because I auditioned actually for two other parts mm-hmm. prior to getting Susan. Um, and both of those characters were no longer, are no longer in the program. They were only in for a short while. So I, I actually drew the, drew the, the good straw really in, in terms of um, not getting those parts. But she came into the program as this kind of vulnerable young woman from a really rough family in the village. And as I say, I, I didn't know whether it would be a long-term character or, or what, but um, it's turned out to be yeah, very long-term. <laughs> and but before you came in, the Horobins weren't actually there, were, were they? I think they were like the Grundies. They, as soon as they came in, you had to pretend like they'd always been there. They weren't new to the village, but they were new to the microphone. Yeah, I mean, Susan was the only Horobin to have spoken. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were just talked about. I think, you know, they, the, the writers thought, well, in a village, we're going to have to have people from every social strata. Um, mm-hmm. And because I think if, you, if a lot of the listeners have been listening, you know, you lot out there who've been listening for a long time, uh, know that very often the, the characters in the programme, especially in the early days, seem to be kind of middle or upper class. Um, if you listen to some of the old recordings now, it seems very much that way. And a lot of the um, lower social class characters were, didn't speak, or if they did, they were elderly old men talking about farming and the countryside and so forth. So I think it was quite a, a revelation, really, to have somebody from a family like, like the Horobins introduced. Now, I, I learned something this week, and um, it kind of came out from something which I said to Lucy on the show um, last week or the week before, that... I've listened to quite a few old episodes of The Archers. I had the, um, I was invited down to the BBC studios in Ealing, this was years ago now, to uh, go and just have a look at the archive. And uh, the person there said, here you go, here's a recording of The Archers from 1952. And it was on a bit, a lovely bit of acetate. And doing Dum Dee Dum, I've gone back and I've listened to a lot of old episodes. Some of them don't stand up to the, you know, the passage of time. They really don't. So, and I said, and I kind of real, for me, the change, there's a change from the mid seventies up until like the early eighties where it becomes listenable with modern ears. Mm -hmm. But you and um, Clara from the Academic Archers pointed something out to me. What was that? Can you remember? It was uh, the introduction of female writers into, into, into the, into the, into the mix because I think it was up until the 70s, sorry, I think it was 72 or 71, something like that, um, all the writers on the team had been male. Mm. Uh, and in the 70s, women writers suddenly became part of the team. And I think the storylines changed quite dramatically from that point on. I think there was a different spin on things. Um, and I think there wasn't, whilst there was a tiny bit of a move away from a focus on farming and farmers and um, male storylines with women in the background, suddenly women were pushed into the foreground and um, some women's issues and, and women's lives in, in the country were, were reflected to a, to a greater degree than they had been before. And I think that, that made a massive difference to the program it it absolutely has in terms of just you you listen back to those those old recordings and it is literally a case of what are you doing over there i'm just like doing a bit of hay baling are you yes i am whatever but so you kind of helped to herald this uh change and didn't you your character but you talk about the way that people sounded because I went back to an old recording, I don't know if it's like 1984, but, and you were speaking to, to Eddie, and he, he owed you a five or 20 quid, which is an obscene amount of money back then. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was, and you weren't, you were not happy. Yeah. And he, he was dodging Susan. And I thought to myself, that's not Susan. <laughs> that 
your diction has so changed in the yeah. time you've been playing, yeah. Susan. It's so, so it's, I think it's like any character. If Susan had just been in for four or five episodes, there isn't mm. time to really develop the character as such. And I think um, all of us, if you listen to, to a lot of characters, I mean, I listened to one of the archive episodes the other day and heard um, some, some of the actors and, and thought, gosh, they've changed as well. You kind, we've kind of, we've melded into the characters and, and, and made them our own, I think. So they've, we've really lifted them off the page. And I think that's... That's, that happens when someone is in a, in a soap, if you want to call it a soap, uh, over a long period of time, you, you grow into it. There, there is the voice thing, but I think also something which you put your finger on at the, when we were just chatting earlier, yeah. and it's the social class thing. You sounded posher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because when I first um, came into the programme, they, they, my instructions were... Um, oh, uh, she's, a, she's a country girl, so we, we need a country accent. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I went into it doing kind of a full-blown country accent and actually over time realised that, you know, where, where Ambridge is is bordering a little bit on Birmingham, a little bit on Worcestershire, you know, that, that kind of mix. And so, so kind of I've adapted her and, 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 and shaped her a little more than just being this country girl that was introduced for how many episodes so um so i hope i hope that kind of helps you understand what why why those changes might happen and i think it happens for all of them for all of the characters i i, I think there's also another reason and it's that the direction changed but also it became much more acceptable to have real regional voices there always were your jethros and yeah. there was that very country yokel sound but to have um yeah and i suppose it really probably even started with the introduction of the grundy family because they're another they're just like the horror bins they kind of came from nowhere but were always in the village yeah 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 no that's absolutely true um yeah i mean i think I think there there was a move away, and you can see you can see it in, across all radio and, and all BBC productions really. Um, that you know we've gone from very RP, very very uh, middle class um, accents in in broadcasting generally to to an introduction and an acceptance of the wider range of, of, of people and, and individuals that are out there. And I think it's a good thing. Absolutely a good oh, thing. Oh, absolutely. Um, do you want to know a secret? Mm-hmm. It's only us here. <laughs> Go on then. Right. Whenever I speak to an actor and the archers, all right, apart yeah. from the fact that I always get giddy, right, because I'm, <laughs> I'm just a big fanboy, right, um, if you get mentioned, what do you think they always say about you? Um, gossipy, interfering, miserable, I hate her voice, <laughs> Susan. Yeah, basically, it's a, it's a lot of a lot of uh, not not hate, but it's, you know they're very. I think no. this is very critical of Susan. No, 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 no. What do you think your fellow actors say about oh, you? About, about Charlotte, Doctor Charlotte Martin. Oh my God, I don't know. I hate. To think. <laughs> I think I think what a lot of them might say is that. They don't know how I've done what I've done in terms of doing my acting and going out and going off and doing my PhD and whatever. I think I think a lot of them were were shocked and you know surprised that I I'd gone to do that because you know most actors are just you know we want to be actors and we just do that. But I think so. I suppose they were quite surprised at that. Um, but I also think they probably think that I'm quite shy. <laughs> Um, cause I, I do, I'm not, you know, I am quite a shy person actually, which is interesting. And a lot, I think a lot of actors are shy to be honest, um, which is why they go into acting in the first place. Um, but I, I like to, I like to be quite professional. I like to go into studio and, and know what I'm doing and be clear about stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of very much there to, to, to go and do the job. So I'll, I'll get in and do it. Um, mm. you know, whereas, you know, no, I won't mention any names, but, you know, some, some actors in some programmes are, are kind of a bit more laid back and a bit more chilled about it. But I, I think they'd probably say, you know, she comes in, does a job and, and goes out again. <laughs> Those things are all undoubtedly true, but that's not what I was going for. They always say you are the most glamorous oh my God, okay. member of the cast. <laughs> and everybody always remarks about your lippy. And then look at you today. I look, I, you know, lipstick, 
if I was on a desert island and I could only take one thing with me, it would be some lipstick. <laughs> That's incredibly vain. I even wear it on the radio. So there we go. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that method acting yeah that's right absolutely absolutely but no i, I you know that that's gosh that's that would be um quite kind i mean one one of the reactions i get from a lot of people when they when they find out i'm in the archers they say oh my god you're not susan you're nothing like her completely nothing like her um and then i think well yeah but i'm an actor so you know that's good <laughs> that's good i must admit i did i was hoping that You'd come in a tabard today. Do you? Do you? I've come in dungarees today instead. Good yokel farmer, farmer wear. Um, yeah. We need to kind of reprise ourselves of some of your greatest hits, so mm. to speak. And you married Neil. Yep. And um, at one point, you know, he was a bit of a catch, wasn't he? Because, you know, he, he did date Shula for a bit. Yeah, he did. You know? uh, but you ended up with Neil. But this terrible family of yours, family of ne'er-do-wells, got you into right bother in the early 90s. Mm-hmm. So why don't you uh, reprise us of that storyline? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so Susan met Neil. Susan was working in the pub as mm-hmm. a barmaid. met Neil. They went off to London for a weekend and she got pregnant and they ended up getting married which was, I think, you know, it all happened fairly, fairly quickly. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they are happy and they were happy and, and they continue to be so. And I think, actually, they're one of the strongest marriages, I think, in, in Ambridge, to be honest. Um, but, yeah, so um, I had this marriage, blah, blah, blah. My family, my brothers particularly, um, yeah, got me into quite a, quite a difficult situation in the 90s because um, Clive, who's the baddest of the Horribans, um, he um, held up the village shop and was sent to prison. And then, I mean, you all know this, but I'll, I'll, I'll carry on with it. He um, escaped from prison. And of course, he came to Susan. And Susan was in this real dilemma of, you know, what should I do? What, you know, should I tell the police? Blah, blah, blah. But then her family loyalty kicked in and she ended up harboring him, dyeing his hair for him so he could go on the run. <laughs> And then, of course, he was he was captured, and then Susan was was sent to prison for a, for for a short while uh, because she'd harboured a crim- criminal. So that was a really difficult time. It was a really exciting time for me as an actor because the storyline was great. Mm. Uh, everyone involved in it, the actors and the writing, was superb. Um, so it was a great opportunity for me, really, uh, as an actor. So I love that. That that was really one of the highlights, I think, for me of, of, of being the program up, up to the present day. Really, um, the the media absolutely loved it. It was mentioned in the House of Commons. Um, I was on the front page of the Times. I mean, it was just it was crazy. I was invited even to go on to Kilroy. Do, do all of you remember Kilroy that used to be on the television? Um, they wanted me to go on Kilroy, and I can't believe they asked me to do this to go and talk about women in prison. And I refused to go on because I thought, this is ridiculous. I'm an actor playing this role. I cannot, for the life of me, see how my experience of playing someone in prison and going to sit with women who've actually experienced this uh, on television. So I, I declined that. But, but yeah, the media interest was, was absolutely crazy. I think in hindsight, maybe your story was the first of the true kind of issue-based forward slash media sensations. You know, we, obviously there's the Robin Helen storyline, but you got there some 30 years beforehand, really. Yeah, I did, yeah. And I think it's interesting because, you know, there was a lot of, and you know, the Helen storyline was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the actors involved in that were, were superb. Um, but I think a lot of people forgot exactly what you said, you know, that actually this big issue, this, this, this dilemma of, of women being sent to prison unnecessarily and, and their experiences was, was way, way before that. And I think it was, I think you're right. I think that was probably the start of the real social issue dimension of the mm-hmm. programme. But you being away meant that Neil almost strayed, didn't he? He did almost, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was a good game. 
<laughs> it's a great, great um, dimension of that storyline was uh, when Susan was was in prison. Um, they had a friend called Maureen or Mo, mm-hmm. um, and she started to look after Neil and bring him food and you know just look after him while his wife was away. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, thought there was more in it than there was, and and I think she tried she tried to kiss him or something, and. Um, of course, Neil, being lovely Neil, decided that that was not what he wanted and, and declined her offer. But yeah, that was that was great. That was a great. That was a great dimension, I think. Um, which I'm sure you know. I mean, Neil is a is a lovely character, quite vulnerable, and I think you know needs a woman around him. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know when when Susan wasn't there, you know was was kind of prey to to any any woman who fancied fancied life with a pig farmer. <laughs> I think you slightly do need anchor because he he didn't falter, did he? He, he wasn't no. even really tempted. He was just a little bit naive. He didn't realise what her advances were were all no. about. No, no, he didn't. He, he's very naive, and I think you know. I think Neil Neil is 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 a naive character in 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 lots of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, he you know he, he but he's also got this lovely softness and kindness about him, which which. The listeners and I love. I mean, I think it's it's, it's a great character. And Brian Hewlett, who plays Neil, is he's one of the loveliest actors um, I've ever worked with. He's he's superb. So so I'm very lucky to to work with him. How do you think your relationship with your on air husband has maybe changed over the what thirty five years that you've been a couple? Yeah. Well, I think when 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 they first got together, Susan was very young and of course she she got pregnant and and Neil was very solid she I think she thought he was a very solid reliable and he he was a very solid and reliable person and did the right thing and looked after her and I think she um you know coming from the Horobin family where there was a lot of chaos uh, when she was growing up, there was a lot of um, um, uncertainty about, you know, money coming in and, and not and the family not being able to pay bills and all this. And, and I think she came from that background and suddenly she was with solid, steady Neil. So it was a real haven for her coming from that background. But I think over the years we've kind of we've kind of flipped a bit now. I think Su- Susan's gained a lot of strength from Neil over the years and has become the person that she's become. And I think she's what Neil's done for her is um, allowed her to see her potential, mm. which perhaps she didn't do before. Um, and you know the poten- you know potential to do anything. You know the world the world's her oyster, as they say. <laughs> One of the things just before we go on to our first little break and. Uh, do the first bit of our quiz. One of the things which I've become really aware of with the character of, of Susan yeah. is the amount of comedy, the amount of humour. I don't know, because I first started listening to The Archers when I was 14, and it, and probably there's a whole load of humour. I always thought that... Um, Goodness, Nelson's dad, whose name I'm I'm just blanking on, just just for a moment. Walter Gabriel, Walter Gabriel, of course, because it's Nelson Gabriel. uh, That he was a jokey character, right? Mm -hmm. You never took him seriously, and then the whole Noel Noel Coward element, (laughs) you know, to his son. That 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 was comedic, and you had this massive difference in kind of purported class that Walter Gabriel was utterly a man of the of the earth and then there was nelson with his antique shop and sounding like nils <laughs> coward and talking yeah. like that um but i don't really remember as a 14 year old comedy with the horribins or the grundies per se when did all that start coming in when did you realize that you had some comic chops and actually you did have time yeah. I don't, I, it's an interesting question, actually, because um, it's kind of it, it kind of sneaked up on me a bit, really. Um, I, I think I, one of the writers at some point um, picked up on it and started to just introduce a little bit more lightness to Susan. I think it was probably it was probably after after her children were born, because I think mm. up to that moment, um, Susan was. Um, going to be a mother and she was you know had young children and she had all the issues when Christopher was born with his hair lip and all so there were lots of serious things going on and then she had the prison stuff and I think after that I don't know I mean this is just in my head but I'm just wondering whether 
the script writers probably when they have the discussions about the development of characters whether they thought actually okay we've we've had susan in this guise we, we we've had her doing more you know being uh, representing the social issues of women and, and being a mother and whatever uh, and that perhaps you know what do we do with her now because i think that's a that's a problem for the characters and writers in in soaps and and you know ongoing dramas is you know how do you how do you develop your characters where do you move them to because you can't have a character just simply trailing along in the same way forever and ever and ever you have to you have to shape them and develop them in lots of ways and i can't I, to, to be absolutely honest i cannot remember when the first comedy stuff kicked in but I obviously did something that the writers thought, oh, okay, she, she can do this. This is, this is good. Mm-hmm. And it's grown and grown and grown. And I honestly absolutely adore the comedy. <laughs> I just love it. I mean, you can play around with it so much. It, it's great. And whilst I still love the drama stuff and, you know, look forward to a, a dramatic storyline at some point, um, the comedy stuff is great. And one of the things that I think about Susan is that there's no one else like her in the village, which is great. So she kind of has a bit of a free reign in what she can do and say. So, yeah, I love, I love the comedy. But, yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. I must think about that some more when we, when we go off air. I'll have a think about when that, when that actually happened. Good, good. Which is an, an opportune time for us to go on to our quiz, everybody. Now, uh, Doc, you feel free to play along with this as well. First right. off, it's going to be our picture round. So I can see everybody there's taking a sip of water. Uh, looks like, wait a minute, um, Sar Bear, you've got something a little bit stronger than just water. Uh, I, 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 is, is that a whole glass full of whiskey? No, <laughs> no you're shaking your head. Yeah, it, it's not whiskey. Okay, right. So first off it's the now infamous dumpty dum pitch around right so bear with me whilst i share my screen everybody right so quite simply this is a thing or a person in ambridge right i think this one's a pretty easy if you don't get this you, you need shooting you need you need take taking out to a field and be put put down with, with an old cow or something <laughs> this one's easy right so uh what do you see there what is this archer's thing or person that's pitch around number one what is this this is either a person or a thing in ambridge you got to understand what what are we looking at here what's that top left then bottom left and then what is that over on the right hand side what is that right that's an archer's thing or a person this one's a this one's easy piece japanese too right if you know your sesame street you're going royfield come on now you know don't insult my intelligence this is very easy if you don't know your sesame street uh, it's a little bit harder a little bit harder all right so this is either an archer's place thing or person okie dokie right we're moving swiftly on right and of course this whole show is in honor of our favorite tabard wearing gossip (laughs) Right, so, um, question number one. Um, Which of Susan's children is her favourite? Number one, the burly blacksmith, Chris. Number two, the mini... uh, Whoever put that mark on, take your mark off. Right. Uh, Number two, mini, mini Susan, Emma. Or is it none of the above? Which of her children is her favourite. After spending time at Her Majesty's Pleasure, Susan was charged with what in 1993? After, right? Was it number one, assault? Number two, receiving stolen goods? Or was it number three, crimes against fashion? (laughs) So after she was in prison, she was charged with something. What was that? While Susan was in prison, who made a play for Neil? Was it number one, Mo Travis? Number two, Mo Bartley? Or number three, Mo Harborn? So while Susan was in the clink, who made a play for her, Neil? Was it number one, Mo Travis? Number two, Mo Bartley? Number three, 
Mo Harborn. Susan was approved for what? Oh, oh yeah. Was presumed. Forget my terrible English, folks. Let me just try and, and read this. You know what? I've put the answer in the question. There you go. <laughs> there's no sub editor. There's nobody editing the, the dribble that I that I that I write. So I was going to approve for what position? Sub postmistress was the answer. <laughs> Let, let's move on, shall we? Why did Susan have trouble bonding with Christopher? after his birth number one she was worried that he was eddie grundy's after a one night of passion in the back of the bull number two that christopher had a hair lip or number three he was very small as he was premature why did susan have a problem bonding with christopher when he was born we'll come back to these folks so so don't worry um but we should uh, go back to our Charlotte and one of the interesting things about you yeah. and, and in lots of ways right and I'm not just saying this right because you're on zoom and right. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a super archers fan and we've spoken a couple of times but in lots of ways you're one of the most remarkable of the actors because you have this dual life don't you that um you are a proper doctor you know but mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know so how did all that come about because i just you know the normal actor trajectory is um somebody comes from a bit of a thespy family or an arty family they go off to they do some kind of stage school and they that's the plan that's the field that's the plan they follow so to speak but you took a different path so why uh have you had this other professional career yeah i mean i'd always wanted to be an actor from Mm. the age of i don't know three four i mean i went i was trained as a dancer um in ballet tap modern and whatever and and then started acting when i left school uh doing theater and, and bits of television and whatever and then got the archers and was in that. And, you know, after years and years of doing that, in, sometime in the 80s, I thought, actually, do you know, I love doing the archers. But for a, once, you, once you become a regular in the, in the programme, and a lot of actors will tell you the same thing, that you sort of become a bit typecast in, in, in that kind of role. Um, and um, I wasn't getting as much other work as I had been prior to that. And I've always been interested in psychology, and I think all actors are interested in people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought, do you know what? I'm in between acting, in between doing doing my acting. I'll, I'll just go and study a bit of psychology. And so I ended up doing some A levels in psychology, and and then did one in sociology, and thought, oh, actually, I quite like this. And then one thing then to the other, I thought, actually, do you know, why don't I do a degree in psychology? So I ended up doing the degree. And this was all at the same time as doing, as doing the acting. And a lot of the actors will tell you, you know, they, I used to go in with textbooks and sit in the green room in between, <laughs> you know, reading up on psychology and whatever. Um, and then uh, one thing led, up, led to another. And I, I finished my degree and thought, I really love this. I love it as much as acting. Um, and... Uh, I had the opportunity to do a PhD and so did the PhD. Uh, and then once I'd done a PhD, I started doing some research and it just continued from there. So it's sort of, I, sort of, I haven't pursued it necessarily, but, but options have opened for me on the way, um, which I've just accepted and taken. And I do love what I do. You know, I work in youth mental health and it's a really important area. Uh, and we do lots of important research. Uh, I'm currently working on something which um, has been trialled in Australia and we're going to be trying a, an online parenting intervention for the parents of young people with depression and anxiety. So I'm really excited about that. Um, so that's great. And as I say, I love them both. I love acting and I love psychology uh, with both of the passion. Although I think if you ask me if I had to choose one, I would choose acting because that's my first passion. That's my love. Um, and I'd love to do I'd love to do some more now. The older I'm getting, the more I'm thinking, God, you know, I'd love to get back out into, <laughs> into the theatres again and, and do some stuff. So um 
so I, I you know I'm thinking perhaps when I you know retire from psychology I'll probably pursue that again if there are any parts left for for the older lady but um uh, yeah I love them both with with a passion but acting has, has always been my my first love but yeah that's how that's how it happened it just it just was a an opportunity to to keep my brain but uh, turning over whilst I wasn't acting and and uh, and then as I say opportunities opened which I just thought oh do you know I'm, I, I'll have a go at that because that's the kind of person I am I am quite a um I'll have a go I'll have a go at things and it's just turned out very well so you know, it's, it's obviously a truism that actors are interested in people. I think yeah. actors are actors are also interested in self-analysis as well, but they're definitely yeah. social observers because you have to be to be able to <laughs> don different roles, be different personas. But you're a psychologist, so as well. So you've got the you've got two professional uh, lenses to look at humanity on and to mm. analyze it. Tell us one thing or two things. Give us. Tell us a few things about Susan and her psyche, which aren't necessarily readily obvious to the casual person. Yeah. Well, I think primarily Susan is a very insecure person. And I think, as I said earlier, I think that comes from being um, raised in a family that was a bit chaotic. And I don't think there was much stability there. And I think that has played a, a role in who, how Susan sees herself. Um, so I think she has this, you know, deep down insecurity about who she is and how good she is as a person. Because I have the feeling that she was probably told that she wasn't very, very good or very useful and was only useful to do the housework or help her mum with the cooking or something mm -hmm. like that. That's the picture I've got in my head. So um, knowing that, you know, we, we're all kind of products of our childhood and our, our upbringing, then um, I think that's probably true to say that that's, that, that's, that's Susan. She has this deep insecurity. And so in order to kind of deal with that insecurity, as I said earlier, you know, she found Neil and she found some stability and she found someone who believed in her and helped her understand her potential. And I think um, what's happened there is um, rather than just take the advice and use it wisely, I think what Susan's done has kind of leapt to the other extreme and actually um, has gone a bit overboard in terms of who she thinks she is and what she can do. And I think that's reflected in, you know, the way she's terribly um, keen to kind of be an upper class person and be related to the older years and, and all that. And I think we can see that in, in a lot of people who try to kind of almost deny their their roots in some way and and, and, and change people's perceptions of, of, of who they are. Um, so I think I think those 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 things are, are right. But I also think she's 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 got quite um a deep affection for Neil in terms of admiring his calmness and his ability to cope with situations, which I don't think Susan would be able to do had he not been around. So I think she really needs him to kind of level her and keep her steady. Because um, I think if she hadn't got that security around her, I'm unsure as to where she would have ended up, to be honest. Oh what? my god, that sounds really dark. No, 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 no. But that's how, that's, how, that's how I see her in mm. terms of her psyche. Um, that she she could have she could have gone one way or another, and it was just happenstance that she happened to 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 be with Neil, and Neil's helped helped support her and keep her mm. keep her sane. I think. In in my intro, I did mention you know the aspirational nature. Of, yeah. of our Susan and you mentioned the Aldridge's and I know that one of your kind of favorite aspects of the character has been a social climbing or aspirations <laughs> you know Chris married an Aldridge so you're, you're practically an Aldridge too and oh, yeah. so, some of the best scenes are when you're with Brian and Jennifer you and Neil and you're having dinner um, <laughs> Lovely, lovely scenes. Um, I listened to one of the archive, archive episodes of um, Chris and, um, oh, what's her name? Um, oh, I've forgotten, my, I've forgotten her daughter-in-law's name. What's her name? Chris and Alice. 
mm. when they went off to Las Vegas to get, yeah. to get married. And it was played in the week. I don't know whether everybody listened to it. Yes. Um, but um, the wonderful, I'd forgotten what a great episode that was. And it just had the real kind of chalk and cheese nature of the two families being brought together by Chris and Alice. And how and the two different reactions and the two different um, just the the whole the whole um, extent of the, of, the, of the differences between the Aldrises and the Carters and Jennifer's absolute horror at being um, suddenly related to a horror bin, but Susan's joy <laughs> of being related to an Aldred. And I love those. I mean, I've done some lovely scenes with um, with Jennifer. I, I really, really like working with her. She's great. And, it, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a great um, thing to play, you know, with, with one another. We, we have quite a laugh in studio with that. I think it's a... Uh an apt time for us to have some listener or so say not listener your viewer questions because you're, you're all you're all watch, watching now aren't you so if you've got a question wave uh, at, at your webcam and i will try and get to you there are a lot of us okay so steve the steve thomas you're on sir go <laughs> hello hi um, I mean, Royfield's already touched on this, but um, before we got onto it, I was just wondering, obviously when you're not being Susan, you're being a, a mental health professional um, in the NHS. And as somebody who also works for a mental health trust, but in a non-clinical role, I think I've spotted that there are some quite notable mental health morbidities in Ambridge. Um, <laughs> who do you think would make the most interesting case study? Oh God! What a question, God. Um, I, you know, you know what? I think it would be Shula. <laughs> I agree. I think you're right. I think I think Shula has got a lot of things going on in that head of hers. Um, I think she's a very confused, young woman. And I, I would love to. I'd love a storyline where Shula actually decided she was going to go um, and have some psychotherapy. Um, because it would be great, wouldn't it? I mean, that, that would be the great, a great kind of lockdown, lockdown uh, episodes, wouldn't it? Shula's um, counselling sessions. But I, I, I do, th I do think she, she would be an interesting one because if you think about her history and and who she was as a young woman, and you know the reputation that she had as a young woman for a while, you know why, why, why was she doing that? Um, her relationships with her ex-husbands and you know all the, all those kinds of things um and the way she treated alistair which i was appalled at um, um so yeah i think probably shula for me thank you great question <laughs> mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh, Christopher, um, I can't see you. I can see you, you, you're waving. Right, Christopher, we're not going to forget you, sir, but I'm going to go to Mia Fox, who I can actually see waving right now. Mia, you're up. Hi there, Charlotte. Uh, hi. 
Thanks, first of all, for joining us on Dumpty Dum this evening. I would love to ask you a question relating to chili con carne, but I won't. Um, what I really would like to ask you as an actor, um, what you did as an actor when you went from Felicity to Emerald? Yeah, that, that was uh, an interesting one. That's a good question, because that's happened only a handful of times in, in the programme. Um, and, uh, you know, I got... Um, when Felicity played played Emma, um, she was very young, um, and we saw her come into the programme when she was about 15 or 16, I think it was. Mm. So she was very new to the programme, and she she was learning all the time. Um, but she was she was like a sponge. I mean, she was she was fantastic to work with. And then, of course, you know, Felicity's career. I mean, most of you know that Felicity mm. is now this big superstar in America, and, and you know, well deserved that is. Um, but when she left, um, we um, there were some discussion, you know, about whether whether she would be replaced or what would happen. And thankfully, they did replace her. Um, and when Emerald came in, it was it was so smooth. And I'm not just saying that; it was it was incredibly smooth. She's a, she's a very similar actress uh, in terms of uh, openness and, and willingness to, to 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 take direction and, and be directed. Um, and she's she's settled in she settled into the role very very easily. And for us as her parents, um, mm -hmm. it was very smooth. You know, we, we we when anything like that happens, it's very difficult because it's happened with both my children. It's happened with Emma and Christopher. Mm -hmm. uh, and in both circumstances, when when we're auditioning for the new actor, they will often get me in to to do the audition with the with the applicants um so that right. I, I can get a feel for for whether the actor would work you know whether i could work with them you know and all that stuff uh, and in both places they, they've been great great transitions so we've been very very lucky um with with both of them thank you yeah thank you for that uh mia uh, one of the kind of interesting things for me is when i spoke to emerald uh last week or was it the, the week before yeah Charlotte and she said you know I studied uh, Felicity's uh, accent and so I had to spend time aping that but then and also remembering that this is Susan's daughter so she has mm -hmm. so I have to sound like Susan but yeah. not exactly mimic Susan so utterly fascinating utterly fascinating and she's done a sterling job of that hasn't she mm -hmm. I mean you know we, I can really hear Susan in, in, yeah. in little bits of what, of what she says she's, she's a great actress Christopher Corbett you're up next sir Right, your, your hand was there up. Okay, so um, I'm going on to the gallery view. So if you've got a question, uh, wave. Okay, Mandy Belshaw, Red Agnes, you're up. There you go. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say, you, um, I busted the uh, anonymity there, haven't I, by being. Um, I'm Andy afraid Belshaw. you have. Yes. I love, I love, I love your hat. Great <laughs> right, hats. There's a dog. Hands cats. Why did I say dog? It's a cat. Um, I was going to ask you um, what dress size you were, but not as you. But as <laughs> you. What, I always what, think she's massive. What <laughs> dress size Susan is? Yeah. I, I think Susan's probably about um, a 14. Only a 14? Yeah. Yeah, because I think, uh, is Clary about a 22? Right, <laughs> Clary's big bigger. Girl, Clary's bigger. She's a big lass. She's a big like girl. Eddie likes Eddie liked the big girl. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you've not eaten as, as many um, um, uh, of the um, pies, uh, I ice cream, have you, and such like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, let me down. You know, I, I find it so fascinating when when I when I look at comments on Twitter and whatever about about you know what people think that the characters look like and. Um, I find it absolutely fascinating the pictures of the characters that you've all got in your heads, um, because I don't I don't play Susan as a as a as a fattish person necessarily. Um, I just I just you know I don't I don't actually think about her size. I just think about what's going up in there. But but then when you when I look at the comments from listeners and so forth, it's fascinating because I suddenly think, oh my god, that that's how that's how she's coming over. That's you know that's great. So it's it kind of adds to to how we interpret the character as well. So it's great. But but I think that what this goes to illustrate for for me is there's five million listeners. 
weekly to the archers. There's five million Susans and Clarys and yeah, Brian's. Yeah. Everybody has their own version, don't they? Because yeah. I see Clary as bigger than Susan, but I don't see Susan as being big at all. Like, no. I, I, I don't. So, but that's just me. You know, I'm, nobody's yeah. right. No, nobody's wrong. Um, anybody else got a question? You can, I can see Sarah Bears there's doing her knitting there, thinking that, yeah, I'm looking at you. There you go. Uh, Francesca, word salad, you're up. Hello. Okay. Hi. Hiya. I'm an actor as well. And I okay. really, 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 really want a part of the archers. So, <laughs> <laughs> have you got any tips on how to get in? <laughs> <laughs> I think you've probably have you got have you got have you got lots of uh, have you done lots of uh, showreels of your voice because I, what I tell a lot of young actors when they ask about um, radio work particularly um, is how how very different it is to uh, to telly and theatre obviously because you haven't got an audience there but and you haven't got visuals and um, you know one of the things I found when I first went into the program I hadn't done any radio at all when I first went in. Um, and, um, you know, well, it was, it was really a real steep learning curve, I think, for me as a young actor to, to understand the, the subtleties and the, and the difficulties of just using your voice. Um, and also being very careful not, because, you know, you, your tendency would think, okay, well, I've got to use my voice for everything. So you make your voice go up and down and all over the place. But actually, if it's subtle, you've got to kind of get that fine balance between being just a kind of normal, normal use of voice, but also make it interesting to continue for listeners to want to keep listening to it. So it's a fine, fine, uh, fine line, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd make lots of audio tapes and just get them out there, you know? I mean, that's, that's my best advice. <laughs> but I would say that um, radio is an absolute delight. And I would say that, wouldn't I? Because I've been in it for such a long time. But it's a joy to do. And um, you also, as an actor, you get the chance to play characters that you would never be cast as on telly or in theatre. So, you know, for me, coming from drama school where, you know, we would dress up in as, as old women and do lots of really elaborate stage makeup, which is why I went into acting in the first place, because it's such fun. Um, you get to do that kind of thing on radio. You know, you can really pu push yourself to, to extremes. But best of luck with your acting career. Thank you. <laughs> I really want to do it so I don't have to do my hair. So. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy hair. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Christopher, Christopher Corbett, um, have you got your question ready, sir? Oh, my God. No, Phil, I've just... Um... It's covered out of the used look. Uh, Zoom, sorry. So, um, um, no, I haven't. I saw Charlotte at the um, Dumpty Dum um, uh, live, not this year, last year. Mm -hmm. um, yes, very impressed, yes, yeah. And you were totally enchanted with her, and you thought, I'm not going to miss a Zoom <laughs> chat with her. You all yeah, smooth, well, yeah. you. Christopher. You're a smooth operator. I like your moves, sir. Your <laughs> yes. uh, does anybody else have a question? We've got about ten minutes left. I'm going on to gallery view. Uh, wave. Oh, it's really nice to see Drew from Hamilton um, over there in Tokyo. Um, who else? Who else do I recognise? Oh, there's Philippa, my my new best friend. I saw you earlier, Philippa. Of course, it's Lisa De Brule there. Um, Okay, all right. Ads. Now we met, didn't we, at uh, the last Dumpty Dum? And I must admit, sir, I didn't recognise you, uh, Ads, last week because you've got a beard. But Ads, this is your question. Go for it, sir. I've always had this beard for a very, very long time. Yeah, we <laughs> meet. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Now, are you, are you in the jungle? Well, kind of. My room is very messy, so I decided to. Uh, Put some blades of grass behind. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So this is a really important question, and I think everybody wants to know the answer. What is a special ingredient in the chili? <laughs> I'm sorry, if I told you that I would have to kill you. Damn. <laughs> I really oh, need to know. Right here, we'll find it's out. It's been passed down through generations of horribins that has. I don't know what that says about you. <laughs> oh, and there we are. There we have a pot. Um, I, who knows? 
Neil obviously likes it a lot, the chili. I think, I think our Susan's <laughs> partial to a bit of chili too. I, she, likes, yeah. she likes it pretty hot, I reckon, as well. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Thank All right, you. folks, I think we've got time for two more questions. So, um, Wave, okay, going over to Claire from Clapham. And if you're not in Clapham, I'll be disappointed. <laughs> Where are you, Claire? Of course I'm in Clapham. Yay. I'm in lockdown. Where else would I be? Exactly. So uh, far away your question, Claire. Okay. It, it, it's not the most exciting question, but I have spent a large part of my bank holiday today doing some research for an update to my 2018 Academic Archers paper. Okay. Um, and... So, and that was the one when you were there at the British Library, actually, I remember it. Oh, yeah, that was lovely, wasn't it? Uh, so, I have got various different old sources of books on the archers. And my question is, in 1984, when Neil and Susan moved into One the, uh, one the Green, the Green. Yeah. was it a council house then and then they bought it or did they buy it when they moved in? No, it was a council house and then they bought it. Okay, because they've differing opinions in various books, but that's what I ah, thought. Well, Do you know when they bought it? No, but I, I remember because they they wouldn't have been able to afford to buy it initially. So I'm I'm almost certain it was a council house first, then they bought it, and then they had a new front door. Right. <laughs> I think that that's how it went. <laughs> okay, that's helpful. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, cool. not very exciting for everybody else, but it's really helped me today because that saved me a lot of time. Well, and, and I, but that's actually a really important uh, plot point in the story of Susan and Neil, specifically more Susan and Neil, because, yeah. um, you know, this was the time where people could buy their own council houses for the first time, wasn't it? So mm -hmm. this was, a, this is a, an element, a bit, of, a bit of evidence to show that Susan wanted to elevate herself and just being a horror bin. So yeah. it's actually really quite key. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I think that was, that was the first step up. Yes. I think, you know, we said, oh my goodness, I own my house. And of course, then when they ended up building their own was, you know, wow, incredible. <laughs> incredible. All right. We've got time for one more question. All right, Pat, coming over to you. And I know that you're in Cleveland, Ohio, the there town of my favorite American football team. Hello, Pat. Hello, I'm so glad to talk Hi. to you. Thank you for being here. Um, my question is uh, more about what's about to happen under pandemic recording. Have you personally, as an actor, started uh, doing any recording under the new system? And may we expect to hear you then? Are you recording okay. from home? How are you doing it? What, it? Maybe you can't say, but whatever okay. you... No, Pat, that, that's a great question. Um, and of course, you know, when, when lockdown happened, there were lots of discussion in the, at the Archers about, oh gosh, what do we do? Can we keep the programme on air? Is it possible? Um, and I went in and recorded um, a couple of episodes in March or the beginning of March. And then, of course, lockdown happened. And we said, they said, OK, the, the, we've, we've cancelled the episodes for next week that you were supposed to be in. So we were all kind of thinking, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? But what has happened is that... Um, a selection of actors at the moment have been sent recording equipment so that they can record at home. So that's what we're doing currently. In fact, I was doing it um, yesterday. Um, so um, we, there are a few of us at the moment, and we've all been recording for the past couple of weeks um, at home, episodes that were due to be broadcast on the 25th of May. So up until that period, we'll be just broadcasting some archive episodes while we're editing them because I think the, the whole um, process of recording at home and recording remotely has, has been much more difficult than we expected and will, has taken a lot more editing and, and, and stuff like that. So it's uh, just taken a little bit longer, but they will be broadcast from the 25th of May. And if you would like to see my little home studio, I will show you. Hey, come with me. <laughs> so if you have a look here, I'll pop the light on. And if I turn it round there, so I've got a big duvet there. Can you see? <laughs> and I sit on my little chair here. There's some scripts there. And, there, and there's my recording kit. So you can see the microphone and everything there. Wow. 
so I sit I sit in this little chair here and and and, and try and find Susan. <laughs> which it, which was for me was was one of my biggest worries because when they approached me and said you know are you are you happy to to try and record from home i thought yeah that's great because it'll be fantastic for the program to continue broadcasting during this this lockdown of course you know all all of us actors in in order to find our characters we need to bounce off our other you know our partners in the program other other actors other people in the village um, and suddenly to have to find your character in isolation in, in the corner of your landing or wherever, wherever we, we've set up studios is, um, is quite, quite a challenge. But I think, I think listeners, you will, you will all be very pleased with what we've been doing. And we hope you, you know, are grateful and thankful and still enjoy everything that we're, we're doing over the next few weeks. Um, and we're just glad to be able to, to carry on broadcasting, really. I must admit, I was somewhat shocked and stunned that somebody had the foresight, basically, at the Beeb, actually to send out the equipment and, and yeah. to figure it, figure it all out. You know, it yeah. show, shows that, um, you know, there's, there's the great will on high to, to keep the whole kind of thing going. Yeah, definitely. Now, we should quickly go on to our quiz because I know that you, Dr. Charlotte Martin, have aced this. I, I'm under no illusions that you've got all of these questions right but let's go and see how everybody else has actually done shall we so let's go back and let's go here we go so what do we see here folks there's a pop star and his name is well we all know who that is and but um what do we have over on the right we have a green shirt and a d this is ed Grun D. Ed Grundy. Alright, so uh, the green shirt and the, the D there is German, so it's Grun. German for green is Grun. Ed Grundy. So if you got that, big ups to you. Well done. Did you think up these questions all on your own, Roger? I did with my very own brain for I'm thinking. I thought. Very impressed. <laughs> Alright, so what do we have here top left? It's curd. What do we have uh, bottom left? It's a sty. And what do we have over on the right? It's a bottle of gin, but it actually says Miller's gin. <laughs> curd, sty, Miller. Kirsty Miller. <laughs> Did anybody get that? Okay. I must admit, I, I thought that was quite clever myself. Yeah. Anyway, the next one, if, if you know your Sesame Street, this is so easy. Bert and Ernie, this is Bert. It's a fry-up, Bert Fry. That, 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 I, I gave that to everybody. That's Bert Fry. <laughs> okay, now we go on to our Susan Carter round. Which one of Susan's children is her favourite? <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon? Controversial. Oh, well, what do you reckon? well, I think she has a bit of a soft spot for Chris, personally. Absolutely, it's Chris because he married into the Aldridges, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, he's he's, he's done. I he's think done after, very well. all the difficult beginnings. I think she's she's got a she's got a very big soft spot for him. He's he's doing all the right things as far as she she's absolutely. Concerned. Chris Burley Blacksmith Carter <laughs> is the correct answer. <laughs> After spending a night at Her Majesty's Pleasure, Susan was charged with what in 1993? Can you remember, Charlotte? Do you know, I can't. I can't. <laughs> um, my, my, my feeling would be receiving stolen goods, but I don't know. I think, I think it was probably receiving stolen goods. It was assault. You had a tussle with Mo. When you found out what Mo had done with your Neil, you gave a what for? Did I? Oh, do you know I've forgotten that? Oh, you see, I've blanked that. I've pushed it to the back, <laughs> to the back of my head. I thought, oh, my God. Okay. Well, thanks for reminding me about that, Royford. Well, it, no, listen, it's fine. And I must admit, <laughs> I threw in the crimes against fashion because we know that you, you like to dress. So that was, that was yeah. a little, little bit of an in-joke there. Um, <laughs> next question. While Susan was in prison, who made a play for Neil? Now, we know her name's Mo, and you said this when you were chatting. But was mm. it Mo Travis, Mo Bartley, or Mo Harborn? What do you reckon, Charlotte? It's Mo Travis, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And uh, Bartley and Harborn, another little Birmingham insider joke. <laughs> because you live in Harborn, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah, and Bartley Green, where my auntie lives, is right next door. Oh, so that's the reason why. <laughs> <laughs> so 
those are areas in Birmingham. Now, the next one is me not reading what I've written and I'll put the answer in the question. So let's move on from that. And the last question, and we we actually know the answer to this because Charlotte has just said, but what, well, she said previously in the show, why did Susan have trouble bonding with Chris after his birth? Number one, was she worried that he was Eddie Grundy's kid? Did he have a hair lip or was he very small because he was premature? And the answer is... He had a hair lip. Hey, now if I uh, go on to, if I stop sharing that and go back, I'm going to go on to gallery view. Did anybody get all of those right? <laughs> no? Why are you all shaking your heads? Well, those were easy. Okay, how about with the pitch around? Oh, wait a minute, Gemma Parks. Whoa, look at you. Props yeah, to I you, got, Mrs. I got, I got those all right. I used to live in Moseley, so the uh, the and partly green. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm from Stourbridge, but live in London now. So, uh, and and you you got the pitch around ones as well, did you? Yes. Oh, well done. Very good. Wow. Well, there you go, folks. Gemma is utterly a a genius. Uh, Charlotte is an amazing actor. I'm going to unmute you all so you can all give. Our Charlotte Martin, aka Susan Carter, a massive round of applause. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Hey, well done, Charlotte. Hey. Must stay. Must stay. Thank you. Well, so, thank you for inviting me on. It's been much. It's been lots of fun, and it's been really nice to see so many of you. And what I would like to say is, I hope you're all keeping safe and well. And let's fingers crossed that this will come to an end very soon. Uh, but sending love to you all from Ambridge. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thank, thank you, everybody, for being part of Dum Dee Dum Go Yes, thank you, Roy Fields. Thank you, Roy Thank you, everybody, for being part of Dum Dee Dum Zoom yet again. Oh, we have some breaking news, breaking Dum Dee Dum news. Dum Dee Dum Zoom has been once a fortnight, but I spoke to Michael Lumsden, who plays Alistair the Vet, and he will be coming on next Friday. So this time next week, we'll have Alistair the Vet on, and then after that, then we have Kerry, then I think we have Angela Barnes, then after that, we have Anya, who played Lexi. So we have lots of uh, Zoom content uh, to keep all right royally entertained on the, you know, the one day of the week when we don't have any archers, which is a Friday. So there you go. That's me done. Charlotte, thank you again for coming on. Take care, everybody. And as Charlotte said, stay safe. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.